Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello. Mimi, it's Luke. Hi, Luke. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just blowing in the going. So, you know, on 30 Pop, one of the podcasts that I host, we're looking back 30 years at the release of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And so I thought it'd be fun to have you tell the story about the time that you met Harrison Ford. About the time that what? That you met Harrison Ford. Oh, I did. Yes, I met him. After ladies' Bible class, we went to eat at Spring Creek Barbecue. Uh-huh. And when we all got seated, one of the ladies said, Did y'all see Harrison Ford? He's sitting up there at a table. And we said, No. She said, Yes, it is. And so I said, Well, go tell him to come see us. So she went up there, and she brought him back there. And I couldn't think of anything to say. The other ladies were just dumbstruck, you know. So finally I said, what is the name of your latest movie? And he said, uh, Cave of the Crystal Skull. I said, are there snakes and things like that in it and worms? And he said, no, ants. So I made a big face and everything, you know. <laughs> I remember you telling me that story because it was before that movie came out. And so I remember knowing beforehand that it was going to have ants in it. I still haven't seen it, by the way. Well, you didn't miss much, unfortunately. It's not as good as the other ones. But you know they're working on a fifth one. What's it going to be called? I don't think they've announced that yet. Oh, okay. Let me know when you know, and I'll watch for it. I will definitely do it. All right. Thank you. Good to hear from you, dear. You too. I love you. Love you too. You keep on keeping on, okay? I will. Bye-bye. From Milieu Media Group, this is 35. A weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 1, Episode 16. Poets, wrestlers, and more from Indiana. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, June 3rd, 1989. Hello friends and welcome to Episode 16 of 30 Pop. I hope your summer is off to a great start so far. Summer of 1989 definitely was, with an absolutely killer lineup of movies, either in theaters or on the immediate horizon, and fantastic music coming out left and right. Although the Billboard Top Singles chart may show otherwise, as the top song in the country was Michael Damien's very corny cover of David Essex's very corny original, Rock On. Damien's version of the song was featured on the soundtrack for the Corys, Feldman and Hames, comedy Dream a Little Dream. But its music video looks far more like it would belong to a really poorly made Zoolander fan film. It's bad. And a little shocking considering the number one album in the country for the first of seven straight weeks featured one of the greatest singles the 80s gave us in the song She Drives Me Crazy from the Fine Young Cannibals album The Raw and the Cooked. We'll discuss that album in depth in a few weeks though as I have a friend with a much higher opinion of it than me and I'd love for him to be a part of that conversation. As long as we're talking about things that are bad... We may as well discuss something that's actually so bad, it's kind of good. 
or at least entertaining. But don't tell my brother I said that. 30 years ago this week was the release of what, if I'm not mistaken, was the first film ever produced by the World Wrestling Federation. No Holds Barred, starring the one and only Terry Hulk Hogan as Rip Thomas and Tiny Lister, who would eventually go on to star as Debo in the Friday franchise as Zeus. I can't overstate the ridiculousness of this movie. Bad humor, bad writing, bad acting, it's truly horrible. So I invited my friend and one of the biggest lifelong wrestling fans I know, Shane, and his podcast co-host Scott on to talk about it in a segment I like to call Truly Horrible Things. Shane and Scott, thanks so much for being on 30 Pop today. Absolutely. Yeah. So this segment is sponsored in part by a company called Truly Horrible Things. They produce really fun and sometimes highly inappropriate card games for various groups of people. And I just really, really love what they're doing. You can check them out at trulyhorriblethings.com. But what we're going to talk about today is something that is so bad, it is good. And Shane, I especially wanted you here for this because I know you're a big wrestling fan. Absolutely. Lifelong wrestling born, fan. Born and bred. <laughs> So this week, 30 years ago, 1989, was the release of No Holds Barred, starring Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lister, who went on to play Debo in Friday, which was a great character. So I want to talk about it, man. So this ridiculous movie is so bad. It's just this really poor humor. But you were a huge wrestling guy. So what were you thinking? 89, you would have been a little kid, but you surely were at least aware. I was three, but I was definitely aware of the WWF. Yeah. So Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was everything. Did you like him? Oh, my God. He was everything. I mean, the marketing was amazing. Like They did so well with making him seem bigger than life. He think like he was like a superhero. So anything that he was a part of, I was too, you know. I yeah. actually thought one match he had at first WrestleMania I seen he was beat by the Undertaker and he got tombstone on a chair and he didn't move and I thought he was dead and I ran around my house like screaming for my mom like, <laughs> "Oh my god, he just killed him." Like, "No, like he killed the greatest wrestler of all time." But yeah, it was serious. Yeah, Hulk Hogan definitely was like the face of uh, the WWE, man. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I, they still bring him back for like WrestleManias and it's a big deal. Yeah, which like, is just so bizarre, man. Like the he, toys, all the merchandise behind Hulk Hogan was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I so I was 9 in 89 and that's probably the last time I really cared about what was happening in wrestling, but it was like, I mean, I had the action figures, I had a little ring, I had, you know, we watched, there was a cartoon with Hulk Hogan on it, there was all kinds of stuff. He had had like a real arcade, like a pinball machine. I was like, back then it was like, dang, you got your own pinball machine? Yeah. Sheesh. So have you seen No Holds Barred? I did, but I think I watched it when I was really young, so I just watched the clip and then recollected it, but I didn't hold on to it, but I remember it. It came on like rerun like 10 years later, I remember being like 8 years old, seeing it on like uh, but I knew WB it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably them capitalizing on the success of Friday, actually. Yeah, you know, yeah. they had Debo's first movie. Yeah, for right. sure. And so they got to, you know. For sure. Yeah. Because why else would you play this and I seen ridiculous the, uh, movie? Did they have cursing in the original film? Because I seen the uh, one on TV, so it was like edited out. Some, the no, stuff if there is, so. it's like minimal. I mean, yeah. there's not much. Yeah, because I mean, it's very, that's the thing is, I, I didn't see it until I was an adult. I remember when it came out and I remember wanting to see it, but I didn't see it until I was in my like early 20s. Right. I was at a hotel somewhere and it was on and I watched it and it was so 
so bad. But what I realize now watching it is like this is very clearly made for kids. I mean, the kids were the big Hulk Hogan fans. Absolutely. But, mm-hmm. Man, it is. It was just... like it was like an hour and twenty minute blooper reel. Yeah, it really <laughs> yeah. was. Like it's just like these can't be real scenes. Are these the deleted scenes? And yeah. they like the whole unibrow on Zeus and everything, man. How strong everybody is. <laughs> yeah, like, Hogan was like throwing people like thirty feet, you know, in the right. air and oh, jumping he jumps through, cars. through the roof of the car. Yeah, yeah. So we talked a couple weeks ago about the movie Roadhouse, which came out a few weeks before this movie. And one of my critiques of that movie was you have this character in Patrick Swayze. He plays this character Dalton who is I remember that movie yeah so he's like super tough even though he's kind of small and he he like dresses cool and he has a cool car and he's cultured you know he has a degree in philosophy and they try to make these really well-rounded characters but they did the same thing in No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan so there's a scene where like they go to this fancy French restaurant and he's dressed the way Hulk Hogan dresses in this fancy <laughs> like a, French like restaurant. A, like a yeah. tank? Yes. Yeah. Like a, it's ridiculous. A and and uh, the waiter's sort of like talking down to him or something and, you know, assuming that he doesn't have a place at this restaurant, whatever. <laughs> and then the chef comes out and Hulk Hogan starts speaking really bad French as though he's just a regular at this restaurant and you realize he's this perfectly well-rounded oh my God. human being. It's right. just Hulk Hogan knows French. Yeah, <laughs> he, he clearly doesn't. clearly doesn't. Yeah, so he's he, there is basically nothing that happens in the entire length of this movie that shows him in remotely negative light. Whatever he tries to do, he excels at. So that was the branding of the WWF for him. So like like he a, was the ultimate human being, the perfect man, the perfect man, yeah. and which is why the power of that mo- like I'm sure that movie did so well, even though it was terrible, because Hogan was like Jordan of wrestling. I mean, '89, he may have been a bigger deal than Jordan. Yeah, so, he oh, at least had been he was. A, a year or two earlier. He yeah, had, Jordan had, had the '90s, like you know, yeah. he started like after '91. Jordan popping, locked yeah. it up, you know, but. Yeah. Through the 80s, like Hogan was a star in the early 80s. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it had to be like just him and Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> probably who, who had the, yeah. uh, who had the That's kids. crazy to say, yeah. but yeah. it's true. It's, like I've seen rooms. If you Google like their merch, there's rooms, both of them, Michael and Hogan, have they can fill a room yeah. full of merch. Like yeah. just oh, I'm things sure. that were consumed like crazy in the 90s. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember lunch boxes. I remember, you know, there was everything, every, anything you could have wanted even, as a kid. Even his theme song, it was like, uh, I'm a real American. Like, oh, what? Man. Like, that was so like bad. when that music came on, yeah. I was like, oh my God. All right. Well, No Holds Barred, truly horrible. Thank you guys for being on. No and we will point people fun. soon it's to the crazy. launch of your podcast. Awesome, man. Thanks. Huge thanks to Shane and Scott for coming on to talk about that ridiculous movie and to my friends at Truly Horrible Things for helping to make this show possible. You can also help make this show possible and in exchange get lots of bonus content by clicking on the Patreon link in the show notes for this episode. Now that we've got the bad or so bad they're good things out of the way, let's get into the truly great things that were happening this week in 1989. 30 years ago was the release of one of my all-time favorite movies. Seriously, I say that every week, but this is probably in my top five ever. Robin Williams and Ethan Hawke's incredibly beautiful Dead Poet Society. Now, if you've never seen this or if you haven't seen it in a long time, Friends, you have to revisit this movie. It's just so good. I got choked up earlier this week just reading the synopsis on Wikipedia and remembering how good it is. Fun fact, the role of John Keating, the character so masterfully played by Robin Williams, was originally intended for Dustin Hoffman. In fact, Dead Poet Society was going to be his directorial debut. When he eventually opted out, Liam Neeson was given the role. And then Robin Williams, after Peter Ware signed on as director. If you, like me, are a huge fan of this movie... 
I'd love to hear from you. Email me at 30poppodcast at gmail.com or leave me a message on the 30 Pop answering machine telling me your memories around this movie. As much as I love this film today, as I mentioned last week, it did not immediately become my favorite movie. That spot was reserved for the top movie at the box office for the second straight week, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. After our live episode last week, I had a chance to catch up with perhaps the biggest Indiana Jones fan I know, my brilliant artist friend, Scott Erickson. Scott, thanks so much for being on 30 Pop, man. It's great to have you. Thanks, Luke. Glad to be here. So as we mentioned on last week's episode, 30 years ago last week and 30 years ago this week for the second week in a row, the number one film in the country is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I believe to be the best of the Indiana Jones movies. And I know you're a huge fan. Mm, Yes, I totally am. Tell me a little bit about your fandom of this movie. You've like named your kids after the movie, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me... Okay. So when I was eight years old, a woman named Mary, who's my parents' age, she'd been friends with our family, still friends. She gave me a VHS tape for Christmas of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I watched that until it wore out. I like on road trips, I got the soundtrack on a cassette tape and I would listen to it in the car and replay the movie in my head because I had it all memorized. Um, like I was, so I could, you know, this is before like video screens and cars and stuff. I could basically like watch the movie in my head by listening to the soundtrack, which is, which is it. So yeah. And then I saw Temple of Doom later on. And then yeah, Last Crusade, which I have a lot of Raiders love. The Last Crusade is probably like a better movie. I'll admit that, but probably more love I have for Raiders. Which I totally understand. As long as it's not Temple of Doom, which I love Temple of Doom. It has its own charm, but it's just over the top. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it gets dark. You're like, I feel filthy afterwards. Yeah, so I've, like, Indiana Jones was always, like, my greatest hero of superheroes. Like, I didn't really resonate with, like, Superman or Batman as much as Indiana Jones. So if you asked me when I was a kid what I wanted to do, I was like, I want to be Indiana Jones. So I guess an archaeologist, but mostly I'd like to ride horses and fight Nazis. So (laughs) I wonder if maybe that job is still available. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week about how the idea of archaeology to us as kids was this like very exciting, crazy thing mm-hmm. where you're avoiding booby traps and you carry a bullwhip and you get girls and the whole thing. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. I know a couple archaeologists now and that is not at all what their life looks like. <laughs> so. They're probably listening to podcasts like this while they're brushing some just dust away from some fossilized (laughs) ruin. You know, and the other thing that was really exciting about like all those adventure films was that the world around us had built in like treasures hidden in it. Yeah. Like, and there were signs and symbols. Like I distinctly remember in Last Crusade, you know, where they're looking for the, they're just in a library in Venice, you know, and they're looking for the numbers. And then underneath the floor is the chamber that goes to the tomb where one of the knights is of the Knights of the Templar. And that idea of like, you could just be at an old library and underneath is this whole other adventure waiting for you. You know, National Treasure with with Nicolas Cage tried to tap into that, but you're like, you're still like, it's not old enough. That was only like a couple hundred years, you know, it's not old enough. And Nick Cage is not Harrison Ford, frankly. No, that's really true. Man, so, but you did name your kids after Indiana, right? Yeah, when we had our first son, I pitched to Holly really hard that we would name him Indiana Erickson and we could just call him Indy, you know, which is not as obvious. And she was like, no, 
No. But we couldn't figure out a middle name. And I remember we were like walking around. This is why we lived in Houston. We were walking around, I think some kind of mall or something. And she was like, you know, I'd give you Indiana for his middle name. And I was like, yes, that's why I love this woman. So his middle name is Indiana. And then we happened to just, not intentionally, but my youngest son, this is Anders, Elsa, and then Jones. And so we got Jones. So there's an Indiana Anna Jones in there. It was meant to be. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I know. So I know as an artist, you've done over the course of the time that I've known you, a lot of sort of pop culture icons in the style of like saints. I don't know what you call those. Have you ever done any Indiana Jones art? Oh, I have thought about it. It's almost like it's too sacred that I don't feel like I can touch it. But yeah, I definitely should. You know, but the thing is, is that the posters already kind of had that feel to it. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. That kind of mishmash of all the characters and stuff. And then usually there's some kind of like halo in there of some kind. So they already felt like it. I guess when I've made saint paintings, you know, I feel like the character represents something. So like Steve Zizou, Bill Murray in the movie Life Aquatic, like he was the saint of killing sharks, which is the saint of having to deal with something that like you're almost not in control of like some kind of pain that happens to you. Like your best friend gets killed by a shark and you can't do anything about it, which at the end of that movie, you know, he goes and finds the shark trying to blow it up. And then he just looks at it and he's like, I wonder if he, he remembers me meaning like it changed my life. Does he even know that? And yeah. so I think that's, what's interesting. So I would have to like clue in on what Indiana, you know, was doing, which is a great character, but I think just like his uh, love for history what's amazing about last crusade is like you see how much his dad who felt like he felt distant from how much his dad had affected him you know he's yeah. like my dad spent all this time obsessing over these dead people and yet he still is doing the same thing and kind of it's almost like he's like redeeming that childhood and then they like so in the movie they're working that out as they both are in this like pursuit of things that dead people had, you know, yeah. and that's a real fascinating psychological thing. Like you can turn into the thing you kind of hate, but it's like this adventure is redeeming that relationship. Yeah. We had a conversation on the show a few weeks ago about sort of the inevitability of turning into your parents and what that experience <laughs> is like. And this would fit right into it, man. Thanks so much for being on. We look forward to hopefully having you back on lots in the future. I think you'd be such a great guest on the show. Dude, I'm in. I'm primed for 30 years in the past. That was my jam. <laughs> I believe it. All right, Scott. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Luke. Bye. We'll see you. So much fun stuff coming up, friends. Batman, Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Prince, New Kids on the Block, and that's just in the month of June. It's going to be a good summer. Once again, if you're in the Houston area, be sure to come out next Wednesday night, June 12th, for the first of our new monthly 30 Pop Trivia Nights at Cafeza. Get a team of four together, brush up on your June 1989 pop culture, and know that bonus points will be given for every team member who's left a five-star review of the show on Apple Podcasts. It's going to be a great time, friends. Thanks again to everyone who helped make this episode happen. My grandmother, Mimi. Shane Hawthorne, Scott Alonzo, Scott Erickson, my friends over at Truly Horrible Things, and you. Thank you for listening and sharing this show. Until next week, I'll leave you with the wise words of John Keating. Sucking the marrow out of life doesn't mean choking on the bone. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. 
check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.